to understand that the body is trying to keep you safe. Your mind wants to be peaceful. Um, it's not attacking you. It's not trying to harm you. It's nothing. I, I didn't trust my body for a long time. I didn't trust mm -hmm. my body and my mind. I felt like it was trying to get me. And as soon as I created a relationship where I understood that it's got my best interest. It's trying to make me survive. It, it wants to make me survive, not hurt me. That was the insight that made such a difference for me. I wonder what you mean when you use the word I. Use the word I. Hey guys, welcome back to the Heart on My Sleeve podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Wallace, founder of Heart on My Sleeve, and I'm really sorry it's been a while since we recorded. Um, we've been off doing all good mental health things, but I'm very excited to come back with um, some amazing stories. Um, I'd like to introduce today Susan Hales, who... Some of you will remember a couple of episodes ago, we interviewed Nicole Blackie on her experience with anorexia. Uh, Susan's actually her therapist, her psychologist. And so it's really great to be able to now kind of round that story out with both sides to see how the supporter actually pulled the experiencer out of that um, black hole that she was in and Susan actually shares a whole lot of her own personal experiences as to what led her into the career including her own demons as is most of the time the case um, but we do really really get an understanding in this um, in this chat around the power of connection um, and also how to how to reframe or restructure your story I think a lot of us we get stuck in certain narratives that play over and over and over and over again in our head and it's almost what well, seems impossible to invite in another perspective. Um, but in, in, in this uh, episode, we explore how, how we can process that and um, how we can really lean into growth and allow our mind to actually guide us out of suffering instead of pull us into suffering. Um, so with that, I'd like to introduce Susan. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having a chat to me and I, I know the amazing work that you do for people and how selfless you are with um, wanting to help people realise that they can be more than their story. So um, it's great to have you here. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks for having me. I've, um, for those who uh, don't know, you are the uh, very referenced uh, member of Nicole. <laughs> Uh, who we had on previously to the podcast, um, talking about her amazing experience and journey with her eating disorder. And I can personally say I was very moved by um, her strength and her tenacity. Um, and so, yeah, I, what, what was it like? It's just, a, let's start there. What was it like um, working with her um, and uh, guiding her through the depth of, of her ill health? Um, what was it like? Wow. To be completely honest, 
it it was a first for me when I started working working with Nicole. Um, so it it was it was it was strange territory and. Uh, it was difficult. It was difficult because she really, truly believed that all of her struggles were were real, um, and that she was all of the things, all of her story, and it was so true to her. Um, but of course, I could see that on on most part, it was her caught up in her thinking and her story and her beliefs and her conditioning. Mm. Um, and once I started working with her, uh, the first three months were difficult just to get her to want to, to, to um, believe that her story was, was perhaps not what she thought it was. It didn't have to be what she thought it was. Um, then it was amazing. It was so amazing working with her. As you just mentioned, she's got so much strength and tenacity. And as she mentioned, it was, it was on the wrong track. It was going into the wrong things. And once we could start turning that onto a track that was building her up instead of tearing her down, the fulfillment on my side was, was uh, immeasurable, really. It was really immeasurable. So how much do you think that story and the, and the narratives we tell ourselves play a role in mental health? Because I would argue that is mental health or mental ill health yeah. is just an infection of stories. Everything, 100%. Um, and for me, uh, a little bit about my background, I, I suffered myself. This is why I think I'm so well positioned to to provide this kind of coaching and help because I suffered terribly most of my life with stress, panic, anxiety disorder. And eventually through an unfortunate environment that I was put under chronic stress for a long time, um, I developed PTSD. And I went on a huge journey, which took me about one year to overcome everything, all of this, the panic anxiety, the PTSD. I had developed a severe health anxiety where I was convinced I had some awful disease and was dying every day from waking up to going to sleep. Um, and I overcame all of it with no, no medication, no therapy. It was coming to the realization, the long, hard way, but I came to it nonetheless that I was living my story. I was living what I was telling myself. My body was reacting and often in a, a massively physical way um, to where I did feel ill. I was sick um, because of this, the narrative, because of the story that I was regurgitating. And when I learned to shift the story and shift my my thinking that's when things dramatically changed for me and would you be open to sharing some of what those stories your story or the stories you told yourself were what that what they are um okay so absolutely my my experience is is quite a, a colorful one so i mean i started off being 
terribly bullied at school. So of course, from there, I was less than invaluable, um, low self-esteem and uh, inferiority complex. And this is where my stories began. And then I got into an emotionally abusive relationship um, with an older man and that continued the cycle of you're less than, you're not valuable, um, you're not worthy, you are weak, you have no power. And then I, I relocated country and I was really suffering from anxiety and panic attacks. And I, I had been told by professionals that I was broken I was told that my brain was broken and I had a problem, a chemical imbalance. And this became part of my story as well. So, um, and even, this is something I feel very strongly about, the words that we're using and that professionals are using. Um, so when I'm told you're having a panic attack and and the anxiety disorder is, is a negative thing. I feel my body's attacking itself, and therefore that becomes part of my story. Mm. Um, so as soon as I began to restructure everything, so I changed the words I was using, and I began to understand the, the physical aspects of what was going on. So my body wasn't attacking itself. It was actually a survival it was in survival mode. Mm. It was trying to protect me. Um, and once you realize that your body's not attacking you but protecting you, then you lose the fear. And if for anyone who's suffered anxiety and bang panic attacks, it's the fear that drives the cycle. Yeah. We should and call it panic defense. Right, right. And not even panic, because panic is, is, nobody wants to panic. Panic is bad. Panic is scary. It's, it's a survival mode. Your body's in survival mode, and it's protecting you. Um, and it really was something as simple as that, that cut the fear cycle for me and, and allowed me to overcome. Um, but the main the main thing in which is my, my objective is to teach people that when it comes to mental health, as you've said, it really is the thought process behind it. It's the mindset, it's the narrative. Um, if terrible things have happened to you in the past and you've, you've created a narrative, you can change it. And not only can you change it, you can use it to build yourself up on, which is what I did. So I've taken, I mean, I've been kidnapped, I've been abused, I've been bullied, I've been abandoned, I've, I've, I've been under a terrorist attack, I, I've uh, resuscitated dead children, I, I mean, I've, I've, it goes on and on and on and on. And what I've done in my mind is I have, I have created a way to use all of those things to empower myself, to feel strong, to, to feel it's evidence of how well I, I can cope, of what I'm capable of. Mm. Um, 
And, and that's where I've really found such strength and grounding and I feel powerful, like unshakable. Wow. I can feel that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's palpable. And mm-hmm. um, I, want, I want to dive into to that, to those moments a little bit more. So yeah. um, can you take me into your headspace when um, you've gone through these traumatic events and um, even if there was no event there, the very experience of feeling anxious or panic Mm -hmm. is traumatic in and of itself. Um, The thoughts and the feelings arise of Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. Um, What what other thoughts and experiences are going along which is fueling those moments? What other thoughts and experiences? Um, I think it's a feeling, right? Because what I know is that we have our thoughts and our thoughts go through our, our mind which, and our mind processes the thoughts depending on how, how we've been conditioned and our mindset and our experiences. Um, and they, that creates your, your feelings and it's your feelings that drive you, right? It's your feelings of fear or anxiety. Or, and what other thoughts were going through my head? Yeah, and, and, and I'll help you there because that's a hard question. Yes. Um, yeah, it's quite. Yeah, I, I guess what I mean by that is I get asked all the time, um, what were you anxious of? What was I anxious of? That, and, and that's a really hard question for me to answer because it wasn't, my anxiety wasn't as simple as like, I'm scared of public speaking or mm-hmm. um, social situations make me awkward. It was a general being a human made me anxious and being inside my skin and feeling sensations in my body and, um, and being aware of my own awareness. <laughs> like. Yeah. They're the things that made me anxious, not necessarily real real world scenarios. And so, so when you felt anxiety building, so, so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get a process. So you would have, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy, which would lead to a feeling of anxiety, I guess. And I was in a constant, I was in a constant state of anxiety, um, which was a physical sometimes it wasn't even anything going in my head I was far removed and I'm sure you did this too you start to um, think logically I'm safe I'm okay there's nothing wrong there's no lions Um, why am I feeling this way right why is my body reacting why is my heart beating fast why am I shaking why do I feel sick why do I want to run away this feeling of I want to run away I want to hide I want to disappear Um, and sometimes it doesn't make sense because I'm very logical I'm very logical and I could say right I'm safe I'm here there's no problem but my body still reacted my mind was going crazy um, and I think that's the part that people in the Western society, we, we want to feel like we can control everything and the, how mm-hmm. we control things is by understanding them. And so right. when people are trying to understand me or someone else who hasn't gone through panic or anxiety or whatever obsession, mm-hmm. they're like, 
um, they want to clear algebra. Like what was yeah. it? And, and, and the thing was is that sometimes it doesn't make sense. And sometimes it's homeostasis. Like it's your modus operandi. It is you, you wake yeah. up in time you go to sleep, you are anxious. Right. You sometimes know why, other times no idea. Exactly, and it comes from absolutely nowhere. And lasts, for me, it was lasting months and months and months, um, constantly. Um, and from, if I can answer the question, it's fear. It comes down to fear. So even the fact that you feel uncomfortable in your body, and this was a big one for me with the health anxieties, I felt a little, a little unusual somewhere or a little pain somewhere, and it would trigger what's wrong with me? I don't trust the health system. Um, there's nobody here. My husband is away for six months of the year. There's nobody here that can help me. Um, there's, and then you go down a train of fear. Mm. Um, and it really is understanding. Um, and this is where some people can't do it by themselves. And the way that you, you read these life-inspiring quotes and you think yeah 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 that's great i want to live by that but can't actually manage to integrate it by themselves right so it all looks like a great idea logically but they can't get it into themselves um so it's it's about feeling your feelings and feeling the sensations and even the thoughts going in your head but understanding that what you're feeling is uh a product of your thinking mm-hmm. and that's all, that's all it is and if you can be the observer and not and you're not thinking ah, i'm in a panic attack you're thinking no this is survival mode isn't my body clever um i'm just going to sit out here and observe knowing it's my thinking that's causing these sensations that's causing the heart to beat wildly and causing me to feel sick um, and it's doing that because I should be running for the hills or fighting a lion and I'm not I'm sitting in 2019 in modern society um, with nothing to do and nowhere to go <laughs> I'm sitting in a pool of adrenaline that's what's going on here um, and once you can observe that it's your thinking that's causing all of the the sensations then it cuts the fear again it's about cutting the fear um, and on the other side of the coin, that's when there really is nothing that you're fearing. But if you really do have something that's causing and creating your anxiety, so for me, when I was in an emotionally abusive relationship, and for some years after, because there's after effects of that, of course, that had gone unprocessed, that was causing anxiety. So if there's something that you can pinpoint like that, you have to know how to process it correctly. Um, and there's things that people naturally tend to do, which is to suppress it or to get busy or to get strong or to pep talk their way out of it or to try and make logical sense of it. And they've never actually processed it correctly. And it will keep bubbling up and it will keep resurfacing until you process it properly. Mm. I want to talk about processing, but just before we yeah. do, um, we're, so I, I totally get that a, a lot of it comes down to changing your thoughts, um, 
and changing the narrative in the moment. But uh, mm -hmm. you referred to sometimes you were anxious without a thought. It was just a feeling. Yes. Um, yes, I would. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so can you talk about that? Mm -hmm. I would wake up in the morning, um, and the first thing I would think is, "How do I feel?" Okay, someone who's suffering anxiety and panic. They're always checking in with themselves. How do I feel? How do I feel? And as soon as you do that, you start feeling all sorts of weird and wonderful things, um, which then triggers the anxiety cycle. Um, so when, I'm when I used to find myself going through days and days and weeks and weeks of being in anxiety mode with nothing actually on my mind, nothing to be fearful for of, nothing particularly bothering me. Um, what did I do? Sorry, was that the question? What, what, how did yeah. I? I? I think that it's um, when thoughts are causing the anxiety, I think it's, it's yes. important to, to change the, the thought process and right. the storyline. But when there's mm -hmm. no thoughts, you're just feeling like that, um, what mm -hmm. do you do? The, well, the first thing is that you don't start creating thoughts. Yeah, so you don't feed it. Right, so your body, its natural state is a state of calm. Your natural state is a, is a state of clarity and contentment. This is how we were born. This is your, your default. And your body is always, and your mind is always trying to get back to that state. Um, and what prevents it from doing that is your thinking starts to get in the way. So you'll always observe that when you start having strange physical sensations to do with a panic attack, your mind then kicks in. And I learned to, to, to know, um, especially with the health anxiety, that if the thought came first and then the the symptoms then I knew that it was a product of of my thinking um, so yeah I, I I just learned to recognize that if the symptoms came up first the feelings came up first that what my my, my body would always try to come back to the default if I did nothing Every time it's guaranteed, it will come back to its default of calm and and clear and um, all of that if I don't start my thinking getting in the way. Right. So, so either way, whether it starts with the thought or it starts with the feeling, the important thing is, is that thoughts are going to be the thing that either extinguishes or fuels the fire. Right. Absolutely. Every time. It's guaranteed every time. Yeah. yeah. And that can be a really, really difficult thing to do by yourself. Incredibly difficult. So I used to have the problem perpetuate when I was alone and I felt alone and I didn't feel understood. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that if I had had somebody, and this is where a lot of my work comes in, is that people will message me and say, I'm having a panic attack. And as soon as I message and say, I'm here, you're not alone, and you're okay, and it's the reassurance in the moment, they go, oh, actually, it's, it's over pretty quickly. Mm. So a lot yeah. of the time, it's, it's the feeling alone. 
Very much so. I think I harp on about how feeling understood is our greatest human need. And I think that is um, like a tranquilizer to storylines. We don't need to go down it when we're enough right here as it is. There's nowhere that we need to run to because we're allowed to be here. And we're allowed to be at home um, present with whatever experience, and we don't need to hold that by ourselves. Um, right, right. What a, what a blessing that is. Yeah, and it's a real skill set. Um, I, I, a message I would like to get out is that if you are experiencing what I've been talking about, um, and I see it happening now and again, that people want it to be instant. They want to say, um, okay, if I recognize it's a panic attack, if I recognize it's anxieties, just my thinking, it should stop, right? And when it doesn't, they think it's not working, it's not working, and they get frustrated and they get upset and then the cycle continues. It's, mm. a, it's a process and it's a skill to be learned like any other skill and it takes practice, dedication, commitment, and time to learning the skill of how to control. You're pretty much learning how to control your mind, how to have more power over your mind than your mind has over you. Mm. It's, a, it's a muscle. It's a muscle that you're, you're building. Absolutely. And you're, you're physically re- rewiring it, um, right. which, that, which takes time. And, um, In fact, you know the way I see it, Mitch? Mm. I don't even see it as rewiring it's it's more an an uncovering it's uncovering so like i say we're all born perfect and in in a state where our body wants to naturally come back to a default of calm and clarity and peace and what we've done is we've covered over that with a lot a lot of stuff through our life and our experience um our conditioning and we're uncovering it. We're perfect inside all of us. We're, we all have this ability. I mean, the mind and the human being has evolved to be so powerful. And it's in there. It's in there for all of us. But we, unless, I mean, okay, we have occasions where people are born with pathology of the brain. I'm not talking about those people. Um, I'm talking about the ones that like me, like Nicole, um, like many of the other people I work with, they're perfect. And right now, as we speak, they just don't know it. Um, it's, it's all covered up with a lot of crap that you need to just go through and clear off and and um, understand. And then you get down to the diamond underneath, which is the peace and the power. It's always there. Yeah, what I'm taking away from that is that, you know, scientifically, and I I have validated this with researchers in California, that the body is in a state of homeostasis, which is naturally, it's natural tendency, if you left it alone, it's it's idle state is one of healing um, and repair. And from a cognitive sense, that is one of calm, um, i.e. non, it does not want to be frantic Mm -hmm anxious it it wants to be the opposite so that's a good thing to know that um, Mm -hmm. we just got to get out of the way more than anything and um, and what I'm hearing from your message is that 
um, the more we can get out of the way, particularly with our thoughts and not buy into or attach to those storylines, the quicker yeah. our body's just going to regulate itself, which is a hard thing to believe when you're in the throes of it or when you've been experiencing it for months, years, decades even, that it's right, like right. there's no way that that's my body's intention or that I will ever right. get there. And what would you say? Absolutely. Um, what would I say? This is where it's very, very difficult because this is where support comes in. I was one of the lucky ones that I managed to do this by myself. And like I say, I, I live in a foreign country. I was in Africa. I'm in Mauritius now. I didn't have any professional support. In fact, I went to one doctor and he put me on some medication that made me a hundred times worse um, it really messed me up. So I said, right, no more of that. I'm, I'm by myself now. And the moment I realized that I hold the power, there's no doctor, there's no therapist, there's no husband, there's no friend um, who hasn't been through the experience that can help me here. I'm the one that knows the most about me. I'm the one that knows about my mind. I'm the one that can do something here. And I empowered myself. Um, and people need to, like I say, I was a lucky one and it took me a very, very long time. If you can find somebody who's been through this themselves, um, that can support you through it, that's, that's, that's where you're going to really, um, get over it for life yeah yeah get get over it for life because you have to work through it and it's so hard to work through it by yourself i mean that's mm -hmm. undeniable I, I know that i'm speaking from my experience it's really really hard to do that by yourself and so can you give me an example of um if you were supporting someone um some of the things that you would do so say i've come to you and i've said Hey, uh, Susan, I'm feeling really anxious at the moment. Um, I can't yeah. stop thinking, can't fall asleep because my mind just won't turn off. Um, yeah. Say, yeah. Like, how would you start to break that process down? That's a really good question. And I, I am a coach who doesn't come to the table with strategies and tools. And I know there's a lot of techniques out there like NLP, what I do is I, I connect with that person and I start talking and they start talking and that's why um, there's not a one shoe fits all. It's a really personal journey because I don't know what's causing the problem. I, don't, I need to get right inside that person and go all the way back and see where the problem came from. What is the belief system? Where did it come from? How is it affecting you? How are you processing it? And start restructuring their story. So I need to show them the way I, I, I transform people is with deep and powerful insights. I show them things that they can't see for themselves and it gives them a mindset shift on a cellular level. It shifts their mind. That's what it does. Um, so for me, I, I, I really don't do techniques. I, I don't say, um, you know, if, if you tap here and you tap there, then you're going to, because I know it doesn't work like that. 
I know what, what they're up against and I know what, what they've got going for them. Um, they're up against their thinking and what they've got going for them is their innate intelligence and this innate desire for their body to be well. Mm. Yeah, and um, I totally appreciate that and I, and I subscribe to that. I think the only thing I would say is I still think that's a technique in that your technique is, is insight, revelation and reframing. That, okay. Okay. That, you, that, that the framework or the model that you're working with is sitting with people, mm-hmm. helping them, helping to understand their narrative in collaboration, um, mm-hmm. architecting that narrative or mining it for uh, its, its roots or its seeds and mm-hmm. then um, fertilising those seeds in a way that might, might be more productive so that it can shoot in the right mm-hmm. direction. Is, is that a fair right. story? I think that's a very fair story. Um, when I when I talk about tech, the word technique, I know that in uh, in therapy and uh, the therapy industry, and somebody tried this with me, there are techniques and things like, like I say, NLP, CBT, things like that. Mm. That I I don't really bring that to the table. Um, right, right. So, so, so what what the point you're making is. Um, I, I don't subscribe to a um, official framework that's, you know, empirical 12-week program and then by 12 weeks right. we can cure it yeah. and, and then session yeah, no. four we go through this module. Um, what you're saying is, yeah. I, you know, I have, a, I have a way of operating and it's, and it's mainly around story and story reframing and helping people not fuel Connecting. their body symptoms through mind chatter um that is it's an organic and emergent process right and it's not something i could write a book one you know if you do these six steps then you're gonna feel great relief um i yeah i haven't gotten that far yet i i don't i'm not saying that that's not a possibility in the future but i find that the way i work is 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 so um it really helps what I'm doing right now. So I haven't really ventured out of this this framework. Mm. And so what's some of the key insights you've found for your own story um, that, that you've been like, wow, and that it's shifted your, your mindset and, and allowed you to sprout? It was realizing that thoughts create feelings mm. every time, every single time. And if you can get to a point where you're in control of your thoughts, you're observing your thoughts and you're understanding your thoughts rather than allowing them to control you and to understand that the body is trying to keep you safe. Your mind wants to be peaceful. Um, It's not attacking you. It's not trying to harm you. It's nothing. um, I I didn't trust my body for a long time. I didn't Mm. trust my body and my mind. I felt like it was trying to get me. And as soon as I created a relationship where I understood that it's got my best interest, it's trying to make me survive, it it wants to make me survive, not hurt me, that's that's where um, that was the insight that made such a difference for me. Mm. Yes, I uh, agree. And I think that, that that is definitely shining through in, in what you're saying. Um, with, with regard, I want to pick up on the processing because um, that's a really important point. And so many people say, you know, I haven't processed it, but 
I, I yeah. challenge people to say, well, and myself, what does that mean? And, and, in, and in my books, it is um, processing is a function of understanding an emotion um, or a reason as to why something affects you with mm-hmm. the goal or intent to let it go and drop it. Um, that sounded like I read it as a definition. I promise I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just say that? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds um, spot on. So, so yeah, what, what's processing for you? Processing for me is um, going back uh, to the thing that I want to process and dealing with it. And for me, that meant dealing with it in a physical way, a mental way, an emotional way or a behavioral way. So, um, for example... The bullying. I felt small, weak, uh, disempowered from that experience, and mm. the way I proce- the way I processed it was, um, I went back and I I connected with the bullies and I spoke to them and I made it real. So what I was bringing was my my 12, 13-year-old mind to the table as a 37-year-old and letting it run the show. And once I went back and connected with the people that had created those feelings and discovered, do you know what, they're humans too. And the reason that they were bullying me was because they had their own insecurities. And now that I talk to them, actually, I can see they're human beings. We're talking on an adult-to-adult level. And I see it for what it is. Awesome. And so, yeah, uh, and therefore uh, the 12-year-old mind stopped showing up. Mm. So, yeah, there's so many things I want to comment on there. And I, I want to use <laughs> your example to create a, a shared framework between us right now about processing, if that's okay. Right. To, Absolutely. Um, to agree on what are the key parts of, of dealing with something. So I think the first is having awareness um, that you're not feeling good. Part right. two is um, being curious as to what not just the feeling is, but the story or narrative that's associated with it. Step yeah. three Let- is... Going back to the genesis of that story, i.e., mm-hmm. where did it first begin? Um, yeah. where that belief system started to cement and you started to own it as who you were. Step right. four is um, connecting with that feeling fully and being present with it. Step five yeah. is um, uh, take integrating it. And by integrating, I mean... Um, taking in more contexts or perspectives or viewpoints yeah. other than just the solid belief system that you have so that you have a broader architecture of why something is or why you feel the way you feel and then the absolutely drop it where absolutely that you, you, those, those parts where would I change yeah um, I, th- I think that's spot on absolutely so I reached a point in my life where, I, and again, I keep coming back to the fact that it's a feeling. Um, mm. I was feeling undesirable in my well-being, and 
thing it's I truly believe that because your body and your mind want to be well want to be um in a in a, a, a state of of clearness and clarity and wellness they keep coming up it'll make you that's the that's your body's language it's your mind's language saying something's not right something's unresolved something's going on here and it's giving you opportunity to go back as you said step one and be aware that there's something wrong um and then just as you you hit the nail on the head with your five steps that once you're aware and i thought back right i was bullied i was emotionally abused i am solo parenting i went through miscarriages i was abducted i had the death of a loved one sudden death that traumatized me when i was 16 that never got addressed and i went through my life and i wrote down all of these things and then i went pretty much through your five step process where are my beliefs why um why do i feel less than and and i used my adult mind to to go back through and as you said the most important one step 5 and this is what i do as a coach for people with people rewrite the story change your perspective see it in a way that you've not seen it up until this point and if it, if if it takes some action steps like i said for me i took action steps i went back and addressed things that didn't sit well with me i physically addressed them um and that cleared it that that put uh, an an end to the problem yeah. and there's another there's another step for me we call it step 6 <laughs> we're going into step therapy <laughs> even right, though we like right. that wait but this is yeah. this is a collaborative organic way so it's fine our way is good absolutely <laughs> can we can we do this susan yeah. step 6 yeah um all of this is is present and past and it's my understanding that what's available to people a lot of the time is therapy psychotherapy um with, with nicole's case a lot of psychology and is something that she'll she'll agree to strongly um that step 1 to 5 is dealing a hell of a lot with the past with the present the past the present the past and for me what's super super important is step 6 and that is empowering yourself moving forward mm. get out and go and discover Mm. how bad how badass you can be yeah. go out and discover how strong you are it's not becoming strong it's discovering how strong you already are you just mm. didn't know it yeah. um so however you want to do that for me it's jumping off of a cliff with a parachute it's it's going out and i do some heavy boxing work just to really see how strong i am and tough i am it's about leaning into growth edges that's mm. moving forward that's moving forward that's growing so we're all sitting in our little comfort zone i prefer to call it a comfort trap mm. if you're sitting in in something of comfort you're not growing there's no growth there and what tends to happen is anything that seems a little uncomfortable uncomfortable out of your your usual out of your box trying something new trying something uncomfortable trying something difficult that's going to make you grow people tend to see that as a 
something that they don't want to do. But once mm. you realize that that is going to be your savior, that is what is going to give you the knowledge and understand, understanding of your strengths and your abilities. And you start gathering evidence of what a cool, cool, able and strong person you are. That's when you're now getting off the old track and onto the new one. This is what we did with Nicole. Um, but you've got to get out there and take the action and, and do it. Do some stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable and, uh, and start. You don't have to just believe it in your head that you're strong. You go out and you prove it to yourself. And that's when you say, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty strong. I'm pretty able. My mind is strong. My body is strong. And then you start saying, bring it on. Yeah. And I think that's a part that people miss or underestimate, which is you, you're only trying to understand yourself. Like if you think about therapy, you know, in the old days, you're sitting on a couch with the therapist behind you and you're talking, yeah. and you're processing and packing. You're really, why we talk to one another, why it feels good to share, why it feels good to connect um, isn't so that we can become more of that story. Yes. It's not so that we can that, that we can be more entrenched by all of these things that burden us. It, it's mm-hmm. it, it's almost ironic or like an oxymoron that we become familiar with it so that we can let it go, so that we can move past it, so that we can yeah yeah. But I don't see it happening it. with with tra- with traditional therapy. And again, I think what. Nicole and I managed to do um, is is very unique. So I have a sister-in-law who's a doctorate in um, doctor of psychology, and she was amazed. She said, "This this does not happen. This is so unique." Um, she was in such a bad place, probably the worst case. In fact, she was the worst case. Um, given up on by by the top teams in from London um, when it came to 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 helping her mentally and she said this is where traditional methods keep you stuck in your story and have you convinced that you're broken and it's the words they use panic attacks and my my mom has I'm sure she won't mind me saying this but she's she's had problems herself and I can see clear as day it's the stories she was told when she was a young woman, that you 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 have a chemical imbalance, your brain is broken, yeah. and you'll never be fixed. You can never overcome this, and it's that story alone that holds you where you are. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree. And so, what what are the techniques you use to integrate and or move past a a a fractured? or untrue or unhelpful story. So you mentioned one of them, which is taking other perspectives other than the one that you're holding very tightly. What other things do you do? Um, One of the major things that I do, and it's so simple, it's so, so simple, is I, I teach people and I show them I'm all about showing people what I see that they just don't see because they're stuck in their story. You're not broken. You are not broken. Your brain is not broken. Um, and I, I have, a, I have a, a client just now who is schizophrenic, 30, 30 years. Um, he was 20 years institutionalized. 
And I've been working with him for a couple of months. And his therapists are saying, "What? Wow, we're seeing a difference where we've not seen a difference for for years and years and years." And the difference is, I'm taking him forward. I'm telling him, "You're not broken." I'm telling him, "What are you? What are you excited about? What are you capable of? What? What? How are we going to move forward? How are we going to get you to grow? Um, what's out there for you? Right? Get excited for life instead of sitting." in a fearful place thinking that you're broken. And I support people forward into that element. And that's where you, you really see people um, move forward and not, not look back. Mm. So it's really, you, 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 challenge, you challenge perspectives in really healthy ways to say mm-hmm. that's not necessarily true. Um, I tell them it's not true. To be honest, I mean, with Nicole, she was having the, the, the top, top people, and I believe this wholeheartedly, and it's something that I've lived through myself. There was a point, and, and I'm not ashamed to say this, there was a point in my journey that I said to my husband, I would rather be dead than feel like this. I can't feel like this for one more day. This is when I was going through my, my PTSD, um, and I know that I was not broken. I know that my brain didn't have a chemical imbalance. I know it was a product of my thinking and nothing else. And the same with Nicole. I said, you are not broken despite what the professionals, and it's a bold thing for me to say. Um, But that was such a key element for her recovery, full recovery, and she cannot go back. She, it's like once it's seen, it cannot be unseen. She mm. cannot go back backwards. Um, and that that was that was a real key to her recovery. Wow. Yeah, I, I like the the confidence and solemnness and boldness and um, yeah, the 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 wholeness. <laughs> And, and do you know? And do you know what's great? When I started out on in this um, this journey of mine with the, the coaching, it was something that helped me back because I, I'm not. I don't have a professional qualification. Um, I, I come from a background of dentistry, where you must be qualified. You must be registered with a governing body, and so it didn't sit well with me that I, I didn't have this fancy bit of paper to say you're qualified to help you people Mm. and then I realized that that is precisely why I can get results because Mm. there's no there's no rules for me I'm not held um, you cannot say this to a patient you cannot say that to a client you have to adhere to these rules and boundaries I I literally I, I connect with a person a soul to soul connection and I and I know what's right for them I see what's going to help them and I'm not held back or restricted in any way so if what's going to help them is for me to say you are not broken there is nothing wrong with you then I can say that I'm free to say that and it's really showing the results speak for themselves that that works mm. powerful stuff very, yeah. um, very cool. And yeah, yeah. I, I want to acknowledge the, the great work you do and the people that you're helping and thank the results you. that you're driving, giving people their life back. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for hearing me. 
um, I, I feel I feel, feel very passionate about it. Awesome. And if um, people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, the best way is probably to. Um, that's a good question. I I'm contactable through email. Can I give my email address? Uh, yeah, if you feel uh, safe to do so. Yes, I, I do. Um, my email address is Susan Sterling Coach, which is S U S A N S T I R L I N G C O A C H, Susan Sterling Coach at gmail.com. And I would be more than happy. The way I work is if anybody reaches out for me, um, I connect with them, no obligations, free of charge, and I have a conversation with them. Um, just to see if there's a way, if there's a connection, um, and how I can help. Yeah, cool. And yeah. um, I, I don't, I, I haven't ever, and probably will never um, give direct lines into people like I have now. I mean, we we try and um, help share the work of of whoever comes onto the podcast, but I, yeah. I really think there's a lot of people out there who would, who would benefit from connecting with you directly. Um, yeah. and more specifically, the reason why you, that, that I was so interested in talking to you, um, is, is even less from the supporter angle, i.e. how you help others, but your own story and, and your own yeah. experience of going through yeah. a challenge and being, you know, able to tell, um, right, right. perspective. And this so is... I really appreciated that. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of Sid Banks. He's a, he's a in Scottish, um, enlightened Scottish guy. And he always says, it's not about what you've read in textbooks and it's not about what you've heard from teachers. It's what you know. Mm. It's, what you, it's what you know that can help people. And for me, having lived through it, this is what I know. I know it to be true. And mm. that's why I can give as much impact as I do. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure we'll be keeping in contact in the Heart on My Sleeve community. Um, shares yeah. love with you wholeheartedly. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mitch. This means a lot to me. Thanks, Susan. Mm-hmm.